0: Hi guys, welcome to Awareness. Wow, this was a great episode. We finished recording actually earlier today and I decided to do the intro right after. The energy was great. My co-host, uh, Jamie Pinder, really brought down the house today. Uh, and we discussed in depth the dangerous protocols that a lot of IFBB pros, NPC competitors, and just everyday uh, enthusiasts are, are definitely running in order to, to push their bodies beyond the limits, and uh, really get to a certain level of conditioning, perhaps that uh, is uh, c- could be deemed very harmful. Uh, during this episode of awareness, uh, this is actually a trilogy of awareness that we're going to have. Some of them, some of some of the episodes are going to be uh, very informative in terms of alternate products that you could actually run in order to get to a certain level of conditioning, uh, whether it's mass building or cutting for the most part. But the, the, the main takeaway from awareness is to how to keep safe. Um, and if anything, what we want to do from this episode is have a, a awareness, have a little bit of that, uh, that infamous nugget that I always talk about in terms of, hey, am I doing the right thing? Hey, am I putting my health in jeopardy for a plastic cup, a trophy, a sword, whatever it is? Now, keep in mind, we all know that we push limits and the boundaries of conditioning and fitness in order to achieve whatever goal we're trying to achieve but there needs to be a point in time where we actually take the blinders off and and understand and analyze what is it that we're trying to accomplish am i really trying to make a career out of bodybuilding do i have the genetics or is this just a hobby because if it's just a hobby guys if or girls or ladies if this is this is just a hobby be very cognizant of the dangers that you're putting your body into. Think of the loved ones that you have at home, your wife, your mom, your dad, your kids, the little girl that runs to you whenever you, see, you open the door. Think of those people, the people that depend on you to show up on a daily basis. Think of them when you're pushing your limits and putting your, your life, literally your life, in harm's way. So uh, this is going to be a great trilogy Uh, starting with Awareness, episode one, uh, I decided to jump all the other episodes in order to to broadcast this one um, because I really see the importance of, uh, of getting the message out there. And if we can get one or two or three or five or 10, as many people to really have an aha moment where they can go back and say, okay, you know what? Perhaps I need to dial it back a little bit because I am putting my life in danger, in jeopardy. And also for all you coaches out there, please be responsible. Please be responsible. Do You have a lot of people putting your, putting their entire lives in your hands, and if you are putting them in harm's way, then then really think about twice about what you're doing and how your coaching protocols and methodologies are set. So, with that being said, guys, I won't take any more time. Uh, thank you for your patronage. Thank you for continuing to support our movement here, our Heart Fast Fitness. Without further ado, episode one A, we want to call it of the trilogy Awareness, Jamie Pinder. Team me of here, Harfax Fitness. Here we go. Hi guys, welcome to Harfax Fitness. This is not going to be an episode 25 this episode is going to be a part of a trilogy uh, called Awareness. Uh, as you guys know, we've had so many things going on in the industry the last couple of weeks, maybe like over a month, where bodybuilders have been injured. Uh, I know a few personal bodybuilders local here to the Pacific Northwest that have had uh, major complications. One of them was in a coma, as we discussed during episode twenty-one. And uh, I have a my co-host today, uh, three-time Miss What is it? I, uh, women's Physique, right? Yep. Women's Physique, IBB Pro Women's Physique, Jamie Pinderon. She is my co-host today for this trilogy of awareness. And at the same time, she's also my guest today. And I spoke to her just like a few minutes ago and I said, you know, we're going to do this trilogy of awareness episodes for you, the listener, whether you're a competitive bodybuilder, an amateur, or whatever you want to call it. Me, myself, to be honest with you, I don't consider myself a bod- I consider myself a bodybuilder. I don't plan on hitting the stage anytime soon, but I work on my body every day right and it's part of my lifestyle so don't think don't be misconstrued and thinking hey but I don't compete yeah you're running certain you're pushing your body to certain limits and you're pushing your maybe you have a coach and they're continuing to push your body as if you were competing getting up, up on stage so without further ado Jamie Pinder welcome to Harfax fitness again we're excited thank, to have you
1: thank you so much for having me on it is a pleasure to be here again
0: it's such a blast we had such a blast during episode 20 I think it was Um, that I had, I had to bring Jamie back and, and and we're so stoked to have her for at least three episodes here, maybe more, hopefully, uh, with a series called awareness. So Jamie, as you know, and I've been, you've been very active in posting a lot about, um, the things that have been going on. So why don't you share, let's start from the get-go here. Why don't you share some of the stuff that you've been actually dealing with, not only with your clients, but things that people have been posting, uh, some of the craziness in terms of protocols that are completely irresponsible, completely irresponsible. And if the shoe fits, wear it guys. If you're a coach listening to this and you are doing this to certain clients, please stop.
1: Yeah, so in the bodybuilding world right now, um, the topic of women and anabolics, but also women uh, women and men, competitors in general, and protocols around peak week, there has been a lot of light shed on that recently because unfortunately there was the passing of a female bodybuilder, her name was Elena, I'm not going to try and pronounce her last name because I will destroy it. Um, But she, you know, she unfortunately died at a show over in Spain. And this kicked off all of this kind of like news that we've had in our news feeds and social media right now in terms of bodybuilding. And what we're seeing is, uh, you know, we have a whistleblower. Her name is Steph. And Steph actually. She worked with the same coach as Elena and Steph had a very dangerous peak week protocol from that coach. And so Steph like blew her whistle and outed this coach. And when Steph did that, um, all of these other women started coming forward and sending their dangerous protocols to her and she started reposting all of them. So this started this huge awareness of, oh my God, like there's a a coach uh, and his name is Shelby Starnes was a coach um, who, you know, ultimately his protocol or, you know, what people are claiming is that his protocol is what killed Elena um, on show day. And she did not get to compete that day. She didn't get on stage. She ended up passing away before she got to the hospital. And I actually spoke to Shelby um, after all of this happened. Because I was with Steph when Shelby gave her the very dangerous protocol. And when I, and I actually, my first bodybuilding coach was Shelby Starnes. Um, I was Shelby's first female freak. I came in with crazy conditioning. Um, I was also his first female Olympian. So I also was the one that kind of like put Shelby on the map. So, um, you know, my involvement uh, is a little bit deeper than I even wanted it to be. But this is also kind of some of the things that had had been happening in the last couple years that made me want to talk about women and PEDs in general. So a lot of what everyone is starting to talk about now are the things that I've been talking about for many, many years. And these are protocols that women have been sending me for about two or three years now, um, since I started talking openly about women in PEVs. So in this situation, particularly with Shelby Starnes, um, we had a lot of his other clients start coming out and sharing these dangerous protocols. And even uh, as I was telling this story you know, just now you know, with Steph, I was with Steph when Shelby gave her that protocol. And when I looked at it, I said to her, Steph, please do not die um, because just looking at the protocol, I knew that it was very, very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I encouraged her, I was like, listen, if you don't feel good, you really need to let me know because y- you could die from this. And that was back in, I think it was 2019. And it was two weeks, two or three weeks later was the, t- and like Steph ended up passing out uh, backstage. EMTs came and, uh, you know, helped her. She ended up drinking a Gatorade and she ended up being fine. But two, two or three weeks later was the Tampa Pro and Shelby had another client at the Tampa Pro competing. Her name was Mariola and Mariola died the day after the Tampa Pro. And the first thing that came to my mind when I heard of Mariola's passing was he gave her the same peak week protocol he gave Steph. And that's what killed her.
0: So, Jamie, for, for for our audience that have not been following that, and I actually had a lot of females and males, actually. So we're going to talk a little bit about the difference between the male and the female, the tolerance levels, some of these yep. uh, protocols. But a lot of them were actually saying, have actually asked for hard, fast fitness to, to, to do something. Do something, put something out there to educate the novice or uh, entry-level bodybuilders that are, that some coaches are pushing, some heavy, heavy-duty uh, protocols to even even not even at the FBB Pro level, they're pushing it at the NPC level. And, yes. and I had a kid. I, th- I think I mentioned it during one of my episodes. I had a kid at the gym one time. Uh, not a bodybuilder by any means of the imagination. Come up to me and said, "You know what?" And he was 22, 22 years old. Yeah, Ukrainian kid. Always would look at look at me, and, and I'm I'm older, way older. I said, "He can be my son." Uh, and he would say, "You know what? If I was running all the gear that you run, I could look like you." And I said, "No, you can't." And we've had those discussions before, but he went and ordered clambuterol from Russia or Ukraine or whatever it was. Yeah. And his buddy who coaches in Russia told him to put him on a hundred micrograms right off the bat.
1: Oh my God. He must've felt like shit. You know,
0: a couple of weeks later, I saw him again and he said, bro, let me tell you one thing. I almost died. I almost went to the hospital and I felt like I was dying. I said, number one, you have no business running this stuff. You're not mm-hmm. even your, your tolerance levels aren't there. You're not competing. You know, you you're 22 years old. And I said, look, I don't want to sound like your father. Cause that's the last thing I want to do. Right. Cause right. You, you're probably not gonna listen to me anyway, but you have your entire life ahead of you. You haven't even started building muscle yet, let alone right. getting into some of the shit that can kill you. Yeah. Body building and PEDs and all these products is a responsibility that adults need to make. And I'm okay with that. OK, right. About this, right. So share with us with our audience a little bit. What is what is what is what do these protocols look like? And you can break in down independently and the harms behind them.
1: Yeah. So when we're talking about peak week protocols, because that's really what was highlighted um, with this whole situation with Shelby, with this uh, girl dying. So the most immediate risk that you are going to have with like an acute death from bodybuilding. And, uh, is going to be from diuretic use, and this is not anything new in bodybuilding. Um, they, have, you know, bodybuilding has had deaths from diuretic use back from, you know, back in the late '80s, early '90s, and for a long time there was a lot of talk and a lot of education around diuretics because you had some very popular bodybuilders die back in the day um, from di- diuretic abuse. So some of the things that, you know, competitors can look out for, A, you know, I'm going to preface this by saying, if you're competing and you're getting on stage, if you need diuretics in order to look stage ready, ready. I hate to tell you, you're really not stage ready. ready. Like that's the first thing I think competitors need to understand is that if you truly are stage ready, you are not going to need diuretics um currently right now with my clients i don't use any prescription diuretics i might use some uh, over the counter expel i use some vitamin c b complex um you know a, a multimineral that has maybe dandelion root in it but generally i'm not i'm not using any diuretics you know why because i make my competitors either wait until they're ready to actually do a prep at the right time. So they are conditioned at the right time for the show. Um, Or if we if we're getting close to the show, and they're not looking like they're going to be ready, we say, you know what, let's pick another show in another, you know, three or four weeks. So let me just preface that by saying that none of you need diuretics in order to peak properly for a show. But There are going to be coaches in this industry. There are going to be people who use peak week protocols with diuretics. So these are some of the red flags that you can look for in terms of diuretic abuse and things that are dangerous. So first of all, when you start mixing diuretics together, so if you are looking at a peak week protocol and there is more than one type of diuretic, that is one red flag for you. You don't want to be mixing your diuretics. Another red flag is, you know, having to use those diuretics for an extended period of time. So if you have a coach that's having you use, um, you know, something like aldactone for more than a week, you do not need to be doing a peak week protocol for more than a week. You don't need to be taking any diuretics for more than a week. So that's one thing to be wary of. Um, Another is you know, what are those dosages of those diuretics? And, you know, and that's where we can start talking about how these things affect people based on body weight. So how maybe 25 milligrams of aldactone works for me is going, which, you know, I'm 140 pounds on stage, I'm five, four, is going to affect a 250 pound bodybuilder very, very differently. Right. So that's another thing to keep in mind is that if you are a very small bikini girl, a bikini, if your coach is giving you diuretics and you're in bikini, right. either you shouldn't be doing that show or you need a new coach, one or the other. Um, but if you are a very small woman and you know you're looking at these dosages of you know of of these diuretics, you have to make sure that. That's appropriate for how much you weigh, because I think a lot of what we're seeing with these very dangerous protocols are coaches that are copying and pasting and a protocol that they gave a 200 pound man they're giving to a 120 pound woman, um, which becomes even more dangerous. So those are some of the red flags to look at another one is, is your water being tapered down and being cut out. As you are using the diuretics, that is where we see huge red, 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 like rah, 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 like you are getting into major danger zone there.
0: Would you say um, danger? Because you're talking about your creep, your, your, your dehydrated, basically your brain right. major stage of dehydration at an earlier phase. Correct?
1: Correct. And you are letting things like potassium build up in your system. And that buildup of the potassium is going to be what stops your heart. Um, so, you you know, not that a diuretic protocol that has a bunch of diuretics in it with water is great. It's not great. Um, again, like I said, I don't believe in using diuretics to pique peak, peak people. But one thing to really be wary of is if that protocol has you cutting water and taking diuretics at the same time, that is very concerning. That is a recipe for death. Um, but you know, if, if you're loading with maybe, you know, kind of like a a lot of coaches will load water into the show. And if you're drinking two gallons of water and taking diuretics, it's much safer that way. Not that it's safe for you to do, but it is much safer for you to do if you still have the water in while you're taking those diuretics. Um, so those are some of those like red flags for people to look out for in terms of peak week protocols alone. Um, You know, so and also like, you know, with using those diuretics, those diuretics are going to have some kind of stress on your heart. If you're also taking T3, if you're also taking clen at the same time, now we've got a buildup of all these compounds that have adverse effects, you're really stepping into some dangerous territory there. Um, generally, even though I don't use diuretics in my peak week with my people, um, I'm generally cutting out anything like clenbuterol, um, the T3 we cut out because we want things to slow down on show day, um, and peak week because we're trying to actually let those carbs load into your muscles. Um, so that's another kind of red flag for people to look out for in terms of the peak week protocols for for both men and women,
0: Jimmy. Let me ask you a question. Did I see somebody leak a protocol that had also six hundred milligrams of DNP in there?
1: Yes. Yes. Address
0: the uh, dangers. Address dangers of DNP. Oh, this is a, this is a good one. So this. Uh, so this is I cannot
1: <laughs> stand DNP. Ah, uh, okay. I like. I think that's another compound that, if your coach is suggesting you use DNP, I seriously think that it is time for you to get a new coach. um, I would dump them right away. Because with all of the other PEDs that we use in bodybuilding, those are actually medications that can be prescribed to you. They're actually legitimate like pharmaceuticals, right? Even though some of them are made in underground labs, they are really like, they're used for humans, right? DNP is an industrial chemical.
0: An explosive material.
1: It's it's an industrial chemical. And the way that they actually found out that DNP made people lose weight was back when women were uh, painting the numbers on bombs. And the dye in that DNP, because DNP is like a bright like yellow color. And so they would put it into the paint that these women would paint uh, the numbers on bombs. And as they would paint the numbers, they would dip they would actually like lick their they would actually like lick the uh, <laughs> brush and then dip and it was from them licking and dipping that they started to like lose all this weight and that's how they figured out that DNP actually did that Wow um, But once they actually started to market DNP as a weight loss drug because they did do that at some at some point in the United States, that is when people started dying in large numbers because of the use of dnp because what dnp will do is it's it's actually like heating up your body and the problem with dnp is that you you have to be really really careful with the dosing because if you end up taking too much dnp you're you literally will cook yourself and there is absolutely nothing. If you go to the hospital and you've, oh, and you've taken too much DMP, there is absolutely nothing they can do to save you. Nothing.
0: I, I heard, I've heard, uh, it's funny. I, heard, I was gonna, it's actually called, is it dinit, I think it's dinitropfenol. That's the, the short word um, for DMP. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard, and I was reading through a lot of protocols as, as we were preparing for this podcast, because I did read that, that one protocol has 600 milligrams of DMP in it. And uh, which is an astronomical amount of, uh, you want to call it explosive material, whatever you want to call it. Um, And one of the things about DMP is that if if they say, if you consume too much of it, which 300 would probably be too much of a milligrams, let alone 600, right? Um, As you call the, uh, make sure you call the paramedics so that you can at least have somebody watch you die because yeah. there's absolutely nothing and you can sink your body in a tub of ice to try and to you down at that point your temperature is going one degree every couple seconds and you will end up frying your organs and dying yep. um so when you're we're talking about like extreme protocols guys mm-hmm. and granted you know jamie's done it i mean i'm not saying dmp but she's been she's an olympian athlete so she's pushed the boundaries of extreme right yes Which most of us will never do. And I know for a fact that people that are not competing are looking to get into DMP because they want the one pound a week or one pound a day body fat loss that that, that can't happen, right? When they're talking about body fat, there's nothing like DMP, but it can kill you. Is, Is it worth it? listen to what I'm saying. Is it fucking worth it? No, it's not right. worth it. Nothing is worth it. We are here for the longevity of things. I want to do this. I always, we were talking about this last time during episode 20. I want to do this when I'm 70 if I can, right? Exactly. So yes, it may take me a little longer to get to a level of conditioning that um, that I may want for a specific time frame, but I don't want to die.
1: Right. And you've got to also ask yourself, like, you know, like, here's the thing, DNP, if you're buying DNP, you are definitely buying it from an underground lab. So you literally are trusting, I mean, essentially criminals to (laughs) dose something properly, and you are trusting them with your life. How do you know that the guy who's capping your DNP measured that DNP correctly? How do you know that he didn't have I don't know, who knows, like maybe he's a crackhead or maybe his wife just had a baby and he was up changing diapers and feeding the baby all night. So now he isn't cognitively there while he's, you know, filling your pills for your DNP. You have no idea. Right. You are trusting someone else with your life. And, you know, one thing I wanna say in terms of like, if, P- if you feel like you need an industrial chemical In order to get in shape for a bodybuilding show, you need to pick a new sport because you obviously, no, like, clearly, you don't like to put the work in. Because, not like I used to get crazy conditioned, uh, you know, I did a Dexta scan before uh, the Olympia in 2017, I was four percent body fat. As a woman, that woman who, who scanned me for the Dexta, she goes. I don't, like, you're not technically supposed to be alive. I don't know how you're here right now. And I'm like, well, that that makes sense. I feel like a zombie. So yeah, okay, I understand. (laughs) But I got there without any DNP. Um, So, you know, value the work. Lean into the work of getting that conditioning. Because when you step on stage and you didn't use DNP, when you actually did the freaking work, In order to get there, to get that conditioning, you are going to be, you're going to have so much more respect for yourself when you get on that stage and that experience is going to be better for you. And another thing to say about DNP is from all the people that I have heard that have actually used it you feel like garbage,
0: garbage, <laughs>
1: you do like fucking shit. So here's the thing. Yeah, you might be burning all this fat. But if you're truly a bodybuilder, because I truly feel like as a bodybuilder, in order to really be a bodybuilder, you have to have a passion for the training, right? You actually have to enjoy training. And if you actually enjoy training, you are not going to enjoy training when you were on DNP. You are gonna hate every minute of it because you are, it's gonna it, you are gonna feel like such fucking garbage on it, uh, and you I, can train
0: hard. What I've heard is that you basically will miss gym dates because there's yeah. no energy. You're you actually get bloated, you're right. dehydrated, and they they even tell you people that have actually ran it. I've talked to them; they're, they're, they were telling me you not only look like trash, you feel like garbage. You're bloated, yep. dehydrated. Everything that you think that you're going to look like, you don't. Right. No, they do tell you. They, but uh, we're gonna keep it raw. The magic happens after you get off a of TMP, yes, right? Yes. When exactly. you start, you start get, coming back to normal life, uh, you're right. not a zombie anymore. If you're, a, if you make it alive, uh, then you, everything the glycogen levels start, and then you, and then you, yeah, you you realize that yeah, I lost a lot of body fat, but hey, I risked my entire life. Not only did I risk my entire life, but I risked the livelihood of my family, my kids, my yeah. wife, my mom, my dad. And I need people to really understand and put things in perspective. I think bodybuilding is a wonderful sport, and I keep saying it over and over again. It's all about the fucking journey, right? I don't care if you get down to four percent. I have I have people pinging me right now, last week that have lost thirty pounds on El, just on the carnitine alone, yeah. and happy as can be, and they right. still have another thirty pounds to lose. But you know what? It's the journey right that's what it's about it's the like grind. now they're more motivated that are like, okay how do i tweak my diet well you may need to do a reverse i'll do whatever
1: right right yeah. actually be and that's the thing is like if you feel like such crap because of the dmp are you even going to be able to enjoy the experience of prep um and, and one more thing i'll add to the dmp is you know when i was like at the time when steph was working with shelby um, you know, I was working with her for more with like mindset stuff and, but she would always send me her updates and w- what they were doing. And she had used DNP for a while. Um, and then once she came off, she kind of like, send me the pictures of how she looked before and after. And I'll be real honest with you.
0: She's like, you.
1: I, it, I didn't think that it was worth it. I really didn't think that she got great results from it. And guess what? She still didn't look as, she still wasn't peeled on stage. So even a pro that uses DMP still didn't get in the shape that she needed to get into, even though she used this dangerous drug that could have killed her. So, you know what? Like it might not even do what you, it might not even help you get to where you want to go. Like it might not make that big of a difference in you because honestly, when I saw the before and afters, I was like, I don't well, need a big deal. Like you barely lost anything. Um, so it, to me, it's not even worth the risk.
0: I think a lot of it is also the, um, the mere fact that, and, and we were, Jamie and I were talking about it because I'm a big peptide fan. I think Jamie's a big pe- peptide fan. I right? I, I, I the, my protocol and I, and I was just telling her before that we're, we're going to do another episode here following this one on awareness. It's going to be all about peptides because um, people will tell you, Right without naming any names, they're like, Well, I've heard that peptides cause cancer. Yes, it might be true. Okay. But if you pinpoint and look deep into everything that bodybuilders do when they take their bodies to that level of extreme, you're know, running, and I know, I know this because I've heard it from the, their own mouth 600 milligrams of trend, okay, trend a 1000 milligrams of test, 20 IUs of growth. And that's just three compounds. They could be running six, seven, eight compounds. Oh, yeah. All of that coupled together can cause cancer. There's studies that show right. there's studies that show that in excess of, of five hundred milligrams, you're already decreasing your your lifespan of testosterone, you're already decreasing your lifespan by so many years, the longer you run it. So there right. is science that proves that these compounds work with moderation. But of course, right. we're bodybuilders, right? Who takes who, who takes moderation? To-
1: well, and that's why, you know, on top of Elena's death, you're seeing uh, more deaths of some of the older bodybuilders. So the bodybuilders who were competing in the 80s, the late 80s and early 90s are now starting to die at in their mid fifties, even like early fifties, early sixties. I was gonna
0: say they're 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 not that old. I mean, right, Jamie. I don't want to put you on the spot. How old, how old are you? Because you look fantastic. I always say Thank that.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm 37. Okay. Um. So, it, but like, I'm very honest about because like bodybuilding definitely messed up my face. Yeah. Um. You know because there's you know two reasons behind that. Part of it was the the drug use, but another part is you know, constantly losing all the fat from your face and gaining the fat from your face back and losing it. Yeah, it's gonna do a number on your face. So I've gotten a lot of work done, Um, just like a lot of filler, a lot of like, you know, non-surgical cosmetic work done. Um, But that, you know, I like to be open about that because I have a lot of women who will come to me and they'll say, Oh, well, I'm just gonna run the cycles you ran because your face still looks really good. Um <laughs> <Fantastic>. <laughs>
0: and, and
1: like here's the thing, like I need to be honest because I don't want to give women a misconception of the reality of what bodybuilding and years of bodybuilding will do to your face because it will age you. Um, you know, before I had all the work done, I just I I looked a lot older than I really was. And that's part of the effects of anabolics. Anabolics will prematurely age you, and it'll definitely age your face. So uh, you know, the more that in it like the bigger your cycle is, and the longer you run those big cycles, the more of a negative effect it's going to have on that face.
0: Now, it, now listen to what she's just said right now, Jimmy. Listen, I just had this conversation with somebody yesterday. Um, it, it was it was really interesting because it not only ages you physically, it ages you from the inside out.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure.
0: You're talking about, you know, putting wear and tear on your kidneys, putting oh, yeah. wear and tear on your liver. Hard. Hardcore, right? We're not talking about amateur. I was just telling her. I had a discussion with a couple of people because I posted a picture of myself. Yes, I had a nice pump on the meal pump, of course. Um, but everybody, everyone was accusing me of like, man, I know you're not just running TRT dosage. I know you're not. I know you're running at least... 600 milligrams of trend. No, no. These are, these are based on peptides because my body, I know my body responds really well to peptides. Now I know that. Right. Right. So when you're talking about the, 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 the the lady that you were talking about where she was taking DMP and if you didn't notice a big difference, it's because it depends on a person's individual composition.
1: Right. And I think that's actually a really kind of like good segue to talking about how, you know, out of Shelby's clients, you have some women who are coming out and they're defending Shelby and they're saying, well, I've worked with Shelby for a long time and he's never done anything dangerous and he's never used crazy crazy protocols with me. Now, we have to take into context which women and what they look like that are actually coming out and saying this because these are women that are also olympians they are winning pro shows they got their pro cards at like very easily well let's think about that (laughs) they're all his top level competitors their genetics are really freaking good (laughs) like here's the thing i can use a very small amount of anabolics and i will get a great result because my genetics are made for bodybuilding uh, you know, back when my, when I was growing up, my mother, all she would do is garden all summer and she would get capped delts and jacked <laughs> freaking arms. And all she did was garden all summer. She didn't touch a weight. So, you know, that's just kind of like proof in the pudding that like, I just have the genetic code to really grow muscle really easily. Right. Where You know, some of the clients of his that are coming out and talking about these crazy, crazy protocols, they're not his Olympians they're not his top uh, you know pro clients and there's a reason behind that because your genet- like your genetics make either you a really great athlete and that you're going to be a great pro and that means all you're going to need is to trickle in some drugs and you're going to look amazing where not everybody has great bodybuilding genetics mm-hmm. but that does not mean that you should be trying to compensate your bad genetics by killing yourself with anabolics and by abusing anabolics. That yeah. is, it's, it's about having the patience.
0: There's one thing that I wanted to talk, touch base on. Um, I always say I'm a bodybuilder, but mm-hmm. I wasn't born with great genetics. I, I have body parts that, are, that, you know, they pop out, but right. I would be a shitty bodybuilder because I, I was just not born with that. Right. But right. but I work my ass off.
1: Right. right.
0: And it's noticeable when I go to you've
1: been training for how long?
0: Well, you over 20 some years, right?
1: Right. And so I think that's like people miss context. People, the people who are saying you're on trend, those are the people who they they miss the context of I've been training for 20 something years. Right. Like, no, I'm not on trend. Like I've been, like, I've put 20 years of work into building this physique. I'm not a 20-year-old kid who just stepped into the gym for the first time.
0: You, you so, know what's interesting? Jamie? Sorry. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you. You know what's interesting? In As of the last maybe three to four years, what I've understood is, and in, in talking to my own coach, Jason, I get toxic real quick. Yeah. I, I can't run PD. So when somebody accuses me of doing that, it's like, you have no idea. Because right. I can't. This is what I was talking about. My genetics are shitty because this is the way I can run 600 milligrams of Primo or 700 milligrams a day. I get toxic like that. And he's, right. he knows it too. So I have to find an alternative to how, what is going to work for me without putting myself in harm's way. Right. People always tell me, they, actually, it's funny. People tell me like, how old are you? Right. Because I'm 44. I don't look 44.
1: No, you look great. I don't look
0: 44. I'd be like, man, really? Like, no, I'm not 44. I don't run heavy PEDs. You right. look at some of the bodybuilders and I respect the crap out of them because I love the sport, okay? I yeah. so take this with a grain of salt. You, they're 29, they look like 40. They look like yeah. they're forty. I look younger than they do, right? right. They look fantastic, but mm, do I wanna look like I'm 44? Do I wanna look like I'm 70? No, thank you.
1: <laughs> and that's another thing that I always pose to women is if you are getting side effects, that you are physically able to see on the outside then you really ha- like you have to really think that there is much more going on on the, on the inside side. that you cannot see so if you are getting facial hair if your hair is falling out if you are noticing your voice is changing well those are just the things that you can outwardly see you can only imagine if it's already manifesting outwardly what the hell is it doing inside, right? And I think that's a really important thing for people to stop and think about when they're, especially women, as they're using these cycles, as they're going through, uh, you know, their protocols that they're getting from their coaches and, you know, how those things are affecting them. Thinking about long-term, thinking about h- how long do I want to be able to do this? How long do I want to be on this earth?
0: Gosh, you nailed it. I mean, that's that's gotta be the law. Long- I think, Sometimes we get so carried away by that plastic trophy or that plastic medal and I get it. I totally get it, but there's responsibilities that come along with this, right. uh, you know, and, and, and advocates like you, advocates like some of the coaches that I, we, we brought on at Harfax Fitness that are putting people's health first and, you know, working with different clinics like Rejuvenated HRT where they're actually dialing people in to optimize their hormones, fixing all the cluster messes that, that, that women and men come with. Uh, it has, I have seen labs yeah. that will blow your rooftop. So let's let's let's, let's play a little bit, right? What, yeah. Talk to me about some of the craziest labs that you've seen with t- regards to creatinine levels, bun levels. I mean, things that are just all over the place. You're like, wow, right?
1: I'll actually tell you my craziest blood work story. And this is a female. This was a female that came to me because I did start talking about PEDs openly. And I started talking about my own journey and going through the metabolic compensation and everything else that I was dealing with. And she came to me because she actually had a coach who was a natural coach that was getting her ready for a natural show. And they, he decided that she should use testosterone. How do you get away with using testosterone in a natural show? I don't know, but apparently he thought it was okay. So he started her off with one ML and I don't even and like, honestly, when I was working with her, <laughs> She didn't give me dosages in milligrams. It was ML. Um, so,
0: so, at least 100 mil. Was it 100 milligrams
1: per milliliter? Was it 250 milligrams per milliliter? Mm. I don't know. But I got MLs, which is a huge red flag in, uh, in itself, because that means that her coach also didn't know what the dosing he was actually giving her. Um, and then as she was not getting conditioned for the show, as time started to progress closer to the show, all he started to do was increase her testosterone. Didn't try to manipulate diet. Didn't try, I mean, maybe a little bit, um, but general and like added some cardio, but really like his, his whole way that he was running her, her prep was when she wasn't getting in shape, he would just increase the testosterone. So by the end, she was up to like three cc's I, 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 once a week, I hope. I don't remember. This was a while ago.
0: That could be 600 milligrams of test on a female, guys. It could be.
1: He literally gave her a chemical sex change. <laughs> um, because, and, and it was unfortunate. Because when she came to me, she was very depressed. She had no self-confidence. Um, she also like she had very bad gut dysfunction she couldn't digest anything without getting bloated um, and she her joints her she generally just didn't feel well at all and so I you know we run labs and her testosterone was a little over 1600 like a man over 1600 so that's like You know, when we look at a guy's blood work and it's 1600, we're like, wow, you're like in a really good optimal range for a male, right? (laughs) Like you're in a, you're in a great range for a male for performance, right? Like 1500 is like for a male athlete, like that's a, that's a great range for a male athlete where for a female, you literally are now like your blood work, her blood work looked like that of a male, um, and so then we look at her estrogen, and it was through the roof. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the, that, that number off the top of my head. Um, her liver enzymes were, I, I want to say, probably like 200, three, oh. two, three, maybe even higher than that. This is a while ago, so I, I'm going off of my not very good memory. The liver uh,
0: right? But
1: pretty much like her kidney, her kidney, Uh, values were all very everything was bad everything was in the red I don't think we had any number on her on her blood work that was not flagged for something um so I mean even thyroid was way off with her as well so absolutely everything across the board was in red and she was you know in in a lot of times when we get blood work we can have things in the red that are over like maybe two or three points which is like eh you're you're actually still okay it's only two or three points right like especially we're looking at liver enzymes like right after a show all right you're gonna be up two or three points
0: you know your labs are gonna be a little
1: right bad. right and but like a couple points that's not something we're gonna be too concerned with but her everything with her was like o- almost doubled uh you know past the normal range so that's probably the most extreme case and listen the only compound she was on was testosterone. The only compound she was on was testosterone. So that makes you wonder, you know, as a coach, as an athlete, all right, well, if that chick was just abusing just testosterone, well, if my coach has me on 20 milligrams of Anabar a day, 20 milligrams of Winstrol a day, uh, 25 milligrams of perviron every day, You know, 50 milligrams of EQ every other day, Um, you know, 75 milligrams of Primo every other day. Well, that starts to add up. Like you're almost in an equivalent taking as much anabolics as this chick was in just testosterone and maybe even your coach has got you on testosterone on top of all that too. What like, what are your insides going to look like? What are you actually really doing to yourself? Um, and those are some of the, like that protocol I just gave that I just read off of like, you know, the 20 of Annabar, that's actually one that I've seen like coaches give women. Um, and that is very, very, very concerning, especially as a woman, um, you know, males, I don't talk so much about males and bodybuilding, but we also see, I mean, no kidding. We also see a lot of abuse with, males abusing and doing way too way too like doses cycles that are way too aggressive especially for where you are in your bodybuilding journey um and i think there needs to also be some context of where you are in your bodybuilding journey but not only that but like what is your real actual genetic potential and what actually is your plan with bodybuilding? Like, is bodybuilding something that's help, helping build your career? Like, is you competing part of your coaching process? Um, is that something that's actually amplifying your, like, the rest of your life? Or is bodybuilding just a hobby? Because if you are just winning plastic trophies in a high school auditorium, but yet you're doing, hu- you're taking huge risks. By taking huge doses and crazy protocols of anabolics, what like what are you really fucking doing with your life? Right. Like you like sit back and actually ask yourself that. Like, is it really worth you shortening your lifespan in order for you to win that plastic trophy in a high school auditorium?
0: No one is gonna remember. I mean, you see, I see it all the what? time, even on local shows, NPCs, not even IBB Pro shows, local NPC shows where. You look at a kid, or I say a kid, maybe 27, 28, he wants to yeah. compete. He got pretty, pretty lean. Okay. He's doing he's doing uh, men's physique. I'll, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Men's physique. And uh he's down to 142 pounds. Okay. And he's yeah, and he's running, he's running pretty significant amount of gear. And I'm thinking, how and all of a sudden he comes back, you know, he's look, he look, he was conditioned, but yeah. 142 pounds. And you're running a lot of gear, a decent amount of gear. It wasn't a lot of gear, but definitely his enzymes were high. He thought yeah. he was natural because he was only running provirin, uh, Winstraw, um, all orals, right, and 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 Anavar because Anavar is very mild, right? It's very mild. Right, right. We discussed the, the mild thing behind Anavar. Anivar yeah. is a DHT derivative. It's actually pretty. It's a pretty nice compound. It's pretty strong for yeah. what it. Is. So, and and you know he's entering men's physique. He got, he won. Uh, Placing, He didn't get second. Then He entered classic and he got third and he entered bodybuilding and he got lightweight second. And I'm thinking, okay, good. You're 27. You're actually balding now because he has no hair. Right? Yeah. At 27. You go to nationals and you get smoked. Right. Because coach said, your coach said, he goes, you know what? Let's go to nationals. And I'm thinking to myself, you're 142 pounds. Oh my God. Right? Yeah what the fuck are you doing in nationals he was conditioned but the second that you put him next to the big boys bye-bye right bye right. because you were what, what is it you are too small yeah too small these guys were coming in with just yoked even at men's physique you you probably have oh, some men's physique oh, yeah. Yeah. that are just guys
1: m- are no joke now like men's physique is i mean just keeps on getting bigger and bigger and i, I think that's You know, one thing that came out of this movement with like Shelby's client dying and kind of Steph bringing all this awareness is you also have um, Jake Wood, who is the owner of the Olympia, who's come out and said, "Um, I am meeting with the what are the what is the family that runs the IFBB? It's I'm um, the Mannions. Oh, the Mannions. Um, you know, he's meeting with the Mannions because he thinks that the judging criteria he's needs changed. to be changed. I agree. So, you know, but he's talking in terms of conditioning, which I do agree, especially for the women. Um, I, I don't think that we should have women with striated glutes on stage. I think that that level, you know, maybe for female bodybuilding um but i think like women's physique and especially figure like there needs to be no striations for women but he's only going to talk about the conditioning so what about how these like divisions keep on getting bigger bigger and bigger and bigger and more muscular because that's another reason why we have these cycles getting more and more aggressive because we keep on like, you know, there's this higher and higher demand for these competitors to be more Push
0: and more Push that envelope. Some of these physique guys, they look like they could go on, say you would be 212s. Right. Mean, or open, they do open bodybuilding. They're that massive. They're yeah. that massive.
1: I mean, one thing that I noted at the, cause I, it was, uh, I think it was a 2019 Olympia. I actually had a media pass cause I was working with a media company interviewing some of the athletes so I'm backstage at the 2000, I think it was 19 Olympia. Yeah. Um, and so the figure girls are backstage. The women's physique girls are backstage. And a lot of the figure girls didn't have their heels on yet. You couldn't tell the difference. You <laughs> didn't know who was who. Right. You couldn't look at the girls and say, yeah, she's that's, definitely- that's figure. physique. Or, oh, Fizzy. she's definitely women's physique. Yeah. You were kind of like, wow, like you can't, like if you don't see like who it is, you really can't tell which is which. And that's a problem. Like, there needs to be some delineation between these divisions. But I also think that, you know, chasing the size and having the divisions keep on getting bigger and bigger is part of what's causing this huge problem of these ridiculous cycles. Um, but, I, you know, I do think that we're in this kind of like perfect storm situation where we've got the judging is part of it, right? But we also have the like the high availability of these drugs. You know, back in the early 80s or the late eighties, early nineties, in order to get drugs, you had to know the right gym bro dude. In yeah. order yeah. to in get the, your little
0: boys club or the in club, yeah, right? you
1: Not had to have a somehow. <laughs> Where nowadays, my mom can go on Google and type in Anavar, and my six year old mom can order Anavar if she wants from an underground lab, you know? So the availability of these things is, it's, it's very, very easy for people to get their hands on these things now too, which is also part of why we kind of like have this mess in bodybuilding with the anabolics and these crazy cycles.
0: One of the things that I want to talk to you about uh, Jamie was, um, let's talk about responsibility. And um, one of the things that I think as a, as a per, not a professional, but let's talk about also the professionals, the IPB pros, NPC competitors, anybody that's listening to this, anyone that's actually putting their trust in a coach, if you're not questioning what protocols he's doing and you're not asking questions, what is this going to do? One of the biggest things at Team Amino Pure that we all, always run into is like, they, they they will send me messages and ask me questions like, I want this, this, and this. What does it do? And I'm like, you need to be responsible to do right. your own research and not trust me, because number one, I'm not a doctor, so I'm never gonna tell you to use something. I'm gonna tell you Google it, right? And this is my opinion. I always say, people, this is what I is my opinion as a grown adult, and I choose to run I, I uh, IGF LR3 as a grown yeah. adult because I've done my research and I know what it's going to do in the dosages. You need to be responsible for yourself and stop putting all 100% trust and also blame on these coaches. I had a, a lady tell me, it's like, we need to do something about these coaches. I, said, I I totally get it, but it's also the athlete's responsibility to question, what am I putting in my body? I think that the responsibility, like, A, I, I do
1: believe that coaches need to stop writing crazy protocols. I don't think... That there should be any coaches, especially for women, that are giving women four, five, six different compounds at doses that are designed for males. I mean, do they even ask your, you know, my question is are these coaches asking these clients and these, especially female clients, like what's important in your femininity? Uh, are you okay with your voice changing? Are you okay with your clit changing? Like your like your anatomy might be changed forever. Um, and so I, I do think that there's a level of responsibility with the coaches because as a coach, you have clients that are coming to you to, to for your job is to make them better. Your job is to make them better competitors. Your job is to make them it like stay in this sport for longer compete for longer your job is not to slowly kill them um you know you are you your your role is to help them be better and by slowly killing them or you know if you're ruining a woman's femininity that's not making her better if that's not what she wants to do so I do believe there is a level of responsibility of coaches to have the knowledge to know whether or not what they're giving their, their clients is actually relevant to that. Like if that client should be doing a cycle like that, if that is relevant to their goals, right. to the things that are important to them and their health and their longevity and their femininity. Right. So I do think that coaches need to be better. They need to educate themselves better, but they also need to communicate better with their clients. They need to be like, like you said, educating their clients on what they're taking, why they're taking it. Um, I know for myself, my coaching process is very different than many other coaches. I require that before I advise any of my clients on a cycle, we get on a call for an hour and we talk about what's important in your femininity. Um, this is what I need to see in blood work. If they've already gotten the blood work, when we're on the call, we go over blood work and then they ha- already have the expectation that after the cycle, we're going to do blood work again. And we're going to go over that blood work together. We're going to make sure we get everything back to baseline, but I'm also figuring out like, what is your goal in this sport? Are you really trying to be a pro and an Olympian? And then also being realistic with them and saying, listen, I know you really want to be an Olympian, but like your structure is really not made for this sport. So let's just see how you do on a local level and let's get you really good at the local level first, Mm -hmm. and then we'll keep on progressing you. And you might be someone like John Meadows who competes for 30 years and eventually gets your pro card um, because you've worked that hard at building your body the way that they want you to look for stage. But- I don't think enough coaches even ask those questions. They are asking what's important in your femininity. What are the things you don't want to compromise? They're not asking what's your family history? Do you have any, like, if we're gonna do something like LR3 and DES, well, do you have a family, a strong family history of cancer? Cancer. That's a huge red flag. So, you know, I think that yes, coaches have a responsibility, absolutely. I take mine very seriously. Um, but that's because I know what kind of coach that I want to be. I know the concerns that women have. Um, and I, I coach I coach men, but I primarily coach women because they like that process. They like that I care about those things. But I also think that as an athlete, it is very important for you to know what the hell you're putting in, in your, your body, body and what you're taking and asking those questions. I also think it is extremely important as an athlete, no matter how important winning that show is, no matter how much you want to be a champion, that you actually voice your concerns and any problems with your coach. Because I see this all too often, where you have a competitor who the contest prep blinders go on, and those things that they said they would not compromise, all of a sudden, they start getting the sides that they told their coach they're not comfortable with. But then they don't tell their coach they're getting those sides because they wanna be a champion. They don't wanna disappoint their coach. No, tell your fucking coach because if you want your coach to actually coach you and be a good coach, you need to let them know any of the adverse side effects that you are having from anything that you're taking. If you have any questions about what you're taking, why you're taking it, why you've put it in at this point of prep, Ask your coach, don't, if you are scared to communicate with your coach, you better question whether or not that coaching relationship is actually good for you. Because I would never, ever work with a coach where I felt like I couldn't ask questions. Right. And if you feel like your coach is going to reprimand you or that you're not going to make your coach proud because you ask questions, that's a fucked up, like that is a really dysfunctional, fucked up relationship you're in with your coach.
0: I think a lot of it is in, in, I think without sounding too materialistic, everything revolves around money. Oh, and, and let me backtrack into why I'm telling you this. I spoke to the coaches. Uh, I have my own coach and I have a good relationship with my coach and I question it. And every I question everything, right? Yeah. Uh why this and what because it's also in my my thing is like I'm paying you, right? But I'm paying you for education. Right. Right. And I'm paying you to keep me healthy. One of the right. things I told my coach when we were when I was starting my journey, I said, I'm paying you to keep me healthy. I mm-hmm. want to make sure that's the reason why I picked you because you take a lot of functional medicine, a functional nutrition approach, a lot of things. Sometimes some things I may not agree with you hundred percent. And I said, no, I'm, and I've told him, I said, no, I don't want to do that. I'm just not going to period. I don't don't care. You got to understand guys, he's your coach, but you are paying him.
1: Right. Right. And I I actually worked with that same coach and, uh, he actually suggested that I use Austrian and for me, it was a red flag. I was like, uh, "I don't like SARMs because I don't know what SARMs are going to do to me in ten years because right. they haven't been around for long enough for us to know what they're going to do to us in ten years." Right. And I also, I can't test Osterine. I can, right. but if I get Anavar, I can get a testing kit and I can test my Anavar. Right. But I do I the have same no thing. Way of knowing that my Osterine is actually Osterine. So. You know me. Even though I was like, eh, I don't like SARMs. I don't want to do SARMs. But I've hired this coach that is supposed to be like more involved with like functional medicine and like super duper smart dudes. So you know what? I'll I'll give the Austrian a shot. And so I started the Austrian, and my hair started falling out in sheets. Yeah. And it's and I was far. like, I was like, nope, not doing it. I don't care how safe people want to say SARMs are. Like yeah. I don't fucking believe it for a second and for me like again like i just i had to have my own advocacy to say no i'm not going to take this anymore like i'm having this adverse effect i and like that was the important part though the important part was me speaking up and saying I'm hey not my not hair not is this. falling out in sheets like i noticed my voice is starting to drop i really don't feel comfortable with this i'm not going to use this anymore Um, And I think that competitors need to start being okay with being their own fucking advocate. Like you are not this person's child. Like you are not a child, first of all. Like you are a grown ass adult. And if you are in a coaching relationship where you feel like you can't speak up, for things that are bothering you or questions that you have, you made a really bad decision in who you pick as a coach. Yeah. Um, be a grown ass adult and make a better choice um, or learn how to communicate better with that coach, like figure out what their style is. But mm-hmm. you know, one thing that I noticed in my own communication with Shelby, because I told my story about working with Shelby and it's very different from the women that are coming forward and saying that, Like he gave me these crazy cycles because he really didn't. Um, I actually had to go back and look at my emails because I wanted to be authentic. Like I wanted to be really transparent and honest. And after working with, I worked with Shelby for four years. And uh, after those four years, I had serious hormonal issues. I also had serious metabolic issues. But, but when I looked back on the emails, not once did I say like I'm having gut dysfunction. Not once did I say I don't feel good. Not once did I tell him anything bad that was going on. So I can't put any blame on Shelby for what happened to my hormones, to what happened to like what was going on metabolically for me because I never said, hey, like there are problems like, I'm having these problems. We need to figure out what this is. I just ended up being quiet, dealing with it, and then eventually just firing him and hiring another coach.
0: I'm gonna interrupt so, real quick, uh, just for our listeners. A lot of the things that she's talking about, where where you're having digestion issues, a lot of it's because you're, you're getting toxic, right? Your, exactly. Your body, your body's becoming toxic, and you're the first thing that goes. Uh, as we've discussed in the in the in the in previous episodes, uh, there's so many hormonal. Re- responses neurological response to start in your gut. Yes. If, we were talking about the gut distension earlier with one with the, that one of the the, the his his uh, clients. All of that is toxicity in your body right. and your body's reacting saying, "WTF? What the fuck are you doing to me? Stop it. You're you're destroying me." So, right. red flag guys, red oh, yeah. flag, right? And
1: another red flag that I was coming across um was that, you know, I was at that time getting ready for the New York Pro And I was about eight weeks out, and we were pushing harder every week with the diet and with the cardio, Um, and not even so much with the drugs, just with the diet and the cardio. And I was looking worse every week. So I was gaining, I was gaining, the scale was going up, I was gaining weight, and I was looking more inflamed, and I was looking worse from week to week. So that is a huge red flag for metabolic uh issues so definitely like something is off with thyroid something is off with your metabolism your metabolism metabolism is tanked and you need to fix that so if you keep on pushing harder with the diet and you end up looking worse and you're gaining weight you need to like don't try and fight that with more drugs and i think that's what a lot of coaches end (laughs) up doing
0: is that we we just discussed this earlier we're like you're fighting an uphill battle, you're fighting a storm, you're fighting a wave and believe me, you will lose every fucking time.
1: Right, and so you have a lot of coaches that instead of uh, you know, trying to problem solve and be like, hey, we need to like stop this prep and really figure out what's going on with your health right now, because you're responding the opposite way of how your body should be responding. A lot of times you'll have these coaches who, all right, well, let's up the T3 let's up the clan let's increase the anabolics and let's see if that gets you moving um and that's where you kind of get into this really awful awful spot at the end of that prep where you are royally fucked up and it's going to take you at probably at least a year yeah, to a fix a
0: year, right?
1: all of that bullshit mm-hmm.
0: It's horrible. Yeah. It's, it's really horrible. We see it through a rejuvenate HRT the, the amount of uh, labs that we're seeing in, we, they work with a lot of coaches now. And, um, and I think it's been actually a great response because you get to see different labs that are just so screwed up. We're talking about thyroid. We're talking about gut issues. We're talking about, and you start peeling it like an onion. I always talk about peeling it everything like an onion a little bit yeah. at a time. And, and, and somebody, the patients that will come in or, or clients that come in, they want you to fix everything like right now. Well, right. it didn't take you one day or a week to clusterfuck your body, right? right? We need to fix one thing at a time to see how everything falls in place. It's a process like everything else we've discussed in the past. Right. You got to understand it's a process. Going back to the whole genetic disposition of things, I think it's important for us to really voice this, uh, Jamie you have to understand your genetic potential. Yes. I understand my genetic potential. And I'm going to pick on me because I always say I look like shit. I'm not a good bodybuilder. I will never be a good bodybuilder. I just, I, I don't have that, right? It's not my, it's not in my genes, but I will tell you, I work my ass off. And I enjoy, right. and I enjoy going to hit the weights. So as, as as an amateur, I think that you also need to look in the mirror. And I, and I had a girl, this is a female, a girl who was also an FBB pro she's natural competing at the IFBB level and she got a pro card and yeah. we got into this discussion because, uh, we, I was talking to another IFBB pro. I was, I was lifting with her and she said, my biggest issue is always getting my quads to get striated. She's a figure. Yeah. Uh, and, and this girl who was an IFBB pro, she goes, I don't, I don't think you need to use, uh, estrogen blockers or diuretics to get your quads shredded. And, right. um, and I said, well, I don't want to argue with you, but I know enough to say that I'm, I've seen your pictures and I know you are a pro, but you've never been conditioned like the rest right. of it. And it's because you don't use anything. And, and now that you're doing pro shows, yeah, you, you make three third calls every single show. Why? Because you're taking a pencil to a nuclear war, right? right. You're, you're talking about the cream of the crop at the IV level. Girls that are not only genetically gifted like Jamie, for example, right. and on top of that, you throw PEDs on top of that, you don't stand a fucking chance. Right, right. And you need to be re- be realistic of yes. the things that you want to accomplish in life. And if you want to continue to put your body through all these and, and get third place or third calls, and that's, a, that's your choice, obviously. Right. But what does that do for your body? Consistent dieting, extreme dieting, is not good for right. your yeah. body so
1: bodybuilding is, is like competitive, competitive bodybuilding is generally not good for your health it really is not
0: it's incredible it's totally incredible i think that we can spin this into so many ways we're going to wrap this up i know we've been here longer than an hour here but the, the in closing jamie give us a closing statement on, on what your movement is i know you've been very involved with this whole shelby Sterns thing i can only i mean i really feel for the guy because um, granted, I think he needs to take responsibilities for his actions, but right. I can only imagine like he probably sleeps and he's thinking he's seen all these people just bombarding him every day with with posts and whatnot. But but I think that as a, as a professional adult, the, the good comes with the bad. So you got to be responsible for what you're doing. So let's right. close this episode of awareness, episode one here with a close, a very powerful statement to send to our listening audience as we grow our audience with regards to responsibility, with regards to health, with regards, with regards to longevity, please close this, give us a closing statement.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the the real takeaway today is really have realistic expectations for what you want out of this sport, what you want out of your body and take a step back, take that responsibility for yourself, for your health. And remember like, you are here on this earth for more than just bodybuilding you've like be be aware of the other things in your life that you need to be here for don't get so wrapped up in bodybuilding that you lose sight of the importance of just being alive on this earth and what you're willing to risk that life for because bodybuilding is only a small even the even me who bodybuilding is i'm a coach i've been i'm a i'm a three-time olympian even someone who's like me who's so entrenched in this sport it's still such a little part of who i am and what my impact on this world really is because there is so much more to who you are as a person than what your skin bag you're walking around in is. So pay close attention and make responsible decisions that are right for your longevity and your health, no matter what your goals are in this sport. Because trust me, you, the people who love you want you around for a long time. So make good choices. And coaches, be better, educate yourself, educate your clients. Both clients and coaches, we both need to be better.
0: You couldn't say it better. I think that uh, I I can't even piggyback on that because it's a responsibility for coaches, it's a responsibility for people. Uh, I want our listening audience, the ones that are competing and the ones that are not competing, but are running uh, some of these compounds to really do some soul searching. If anything, and we can make an impact and you can take something away from this episode is stop thinking of just you. Because right. your mom, your wife, your kids, your babies don't give a shit whether you're four percent body fat or whether your or daddy's ten percent body fat. They just right. see daddy and they see mommy and they see somebody that they wanna love and care for and want there for the long run. With that being said, guys, what a wonderful episode, Jamie. Again, thank you for taking this episode, uh, uh, first episode of Awareness. Uh, I think our, our listening audience is going to take a lot of things into perspective, and I'm hoping that we can make an impact if we can have a few people just listening to us and, and start questioning their coaches, then our job is done. And that's really all we can expect for. With that being said, guys, thank you for listening for to our first episode of Awareness. We will be back with a second episode of Awareness. As always, God first, family second, take care of yourselves, take care of your health, and this is a wrap.